The following is a presentation of Broadway Church in Vancouver, British Columbia. For additional media, visit broadwaychurch.com. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Mick Nelson. I'm one of the pastors here at Broadway Church. It seems to me that as I look over my shoulder, every generation has had some piece of technology that has been synonymous with how they've understood themselves. It shaped life as they knew it. As I grew up with the technological marvel that was the standard in every home in my life growing up, uh, it led to one of my most unforgettable jobs. For two years, I worked as a disc jockey for the local radio station. Now you have to close your eyes for a little bit for, for this next part to work, okay? Everybody close their eyes. Good morning, Thompson. It's minus 22 on a balmy uh, Friday morning. This is Mick Nelson, and you are listening to CHTM Radio 610, the voice of the North. And that's how I would introduce myself every time as I started my radio show. Uh, today, it's the smartphone that almost no one is up without. Is there anybody here who doesn't have a smartphone? Just raise your hand wherever you are. Okay, I see that hand, yeah. There's not many of them out there. This is pretty much ubiquitous. We all have one. Now, whenever I pick up my smartphone, I'm amazed at a device that allows me to send messages, do my banking, reserve a table at a restaurant, make an appointment with my doctor, view photos, watch a movie, see a hockey game, listen to music, check out a blog or a podcast, tell me the time, tell me where I am in the world, tell me how my daughter is doing on the 10K run this morning. And oh yeah, from time to time, I can make a phone call. The reason I am so amazed with this piece of technology is because I remember the days long before this was commonplace. I remember the days before smartphones, flip phones, or landlines. I remember the days before laptops, before PCs, before word processors, before electric typewriters. I remember the day before smart TVs, before color TVs, before black and white TVs. I remember watching the Maple Leafs actually win a Stanley Cup on a black and white TV. But what I do not remember is ever a day that there was not radio. Now, radio defined my growing up years. I mean, who knew as a kid that all around me there were radio signals filled with people speaking and sharing ideas and points of view and music? Radio was my window into a wider world beyond the confines of small town Saskatchewan. And I was absolutely blown away the Christmas day when I received my first transistor radio. Incredible. A personal device that allowed me to access that larger world wherever I chose to go. That gift began a love affair with radio that continues to this day. As a matter of fact, one of the things I love most about my cell phone is that I can listen to radio from all over the world. Now, we live in a day and age where there are all kinds of messages coming our way. It seems that everybody wants our ear. Everyone wants our attention. And with all the noise of competing and sometimes conflicting voices that demand attention, how are you going to decide what it is you're actually going to listen to? And what you decide is important. It's critical these days to be a discerning listener. Because who you decide to listen to is going to literally shape your life. It's going to influence your thinking. It's going to direct your decision making. It's going to inform your behavior. The things we fill our hearts and minds with are the things that impact the way we live. And the way we live determines our destiny. 
But there is another voice out there. God is also speaking. He has always been speaking right from the very beginning of time. God has spoken through the written word, the Bible. And he has spoken through the spoken word in prophecy and preaching. And he has made himself known through the incarnate word, Jesus Christ himself. God has been persistently making himself known, calling out to men and women, knocking on the doors of people's hearts, speaking to anyone who has an ear to hear. God speaks through the pages of the Bible in order that you might come to know and love and trust him. God makes himself known to us through words, just as we use words to communicate with others. And God, in making human beings in his image, he has equipped all of us with the equipment we need to communicate with him. The Bible is his written revelation, his words in a medium that we can access and understand. And the Spirit of God, within every follower of Jesus, is regularly speaking to us through this book, through the scriptures, as we read and recall what it is that we are reading. Like a transistor radio, the Bible is also a window into a wider world. A world where God is speaking, and speaking to the particulars of human life. Because God is a speaking God. He has a lot to say to humanity in general, but he also has a lot to say to you and to me in particular. The scripture is the primary way, it's a primary way in which the Holy Spirit opens us up to the God who is beyond us. Now today we're beginning a brand new series at Broadway called God Talk. And over the next few Sundays, we want to coach you into how to have an ongoing conversation with God who is eager to speak with you. We want to explore how God speaks to us and how we listen to him and how we respond to what it is that he is saying. A friend of mine once said that the best relationships are built on the basis of shared conversations and shared experiences. And God wants to have that kind of a relationship with all of us. And so over the next two weeks of this series, Pastor Darren is going to unpack exactly how that communication works and how that relationship is developed. Now today for the next 20 minutes or so, I want to talk to you about one of the primary way God communicates with us through his written word. The Bible continues to attract attention from Christ followers, scholars, skeptics, and even atheists to this very day. It continues to be a perennial bestseller in all parts of the world, the best-selling book of all time. It's available in over 2,400 different languages and dialects. People are talking about it, writing about it, studying it, challenging it. Many people claim their lives have been changed by it. Why does it gain this kind of attention? What is it about the Bible that makes it so unique and compelling? Well, there's a lot of things that I could say about the Bible, but I want to really focus on two this morning. Why is the Bible so unique and compelling? Well, first of all, because it's authoritative. If you're following along on your outline, that's what goes in the blank. It's authoritative. God wants to make himself known. That's his heart's desire. He wants us to know him. That's also on his heart. And he has revealed himself, his character, his love, his will, to individuals who wrote down what they received so that we too can hear the voice of God speaking into the everyday experiences of our lives. The Bible is God's self-disclosure to us. And in it, we get to know him and what he's like. In it, God gives us everything we need to know about how to have and live in a relationship with him. Peter helps us to understand the power of God's word when he speaks this way in one of his uh, letters. He says, above all, 
you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now don't be thrown by the word prophecy here. In this context, in Peter, it refers to the teaching of the Old Testament prophets, his Bible at the time, who communicated God's will and his ways to his people. The prophets did not make this stuff up. The Holy Spirit imparted to them the content of what they had to share, and they spoke on God's behalf. And so in a very real sense, the words of the Bible are God's words. Now, if you wanted to take a slap shot, you wanted to learn how to take a slap shot, who would you trust? Would you go to Shea Weber of the Montreal Canadiens, or would you go to Mick Nelson? Okay, Shea or Mick? Now, I want you to know that two weeks ago, Shea was clocked at making a slap shot of 108 miles per hour. That's 173 kilometers an hour. Now, who are you going to trust to teach you how to do a slap shot? Shea Weber or McNelson? Listen, Shea is the authority on slap shooting. I don't even know if that's a word. Not only does God want us to know him, he knows what's best for our lives. He literally wrote the book on human life and flourishing. He created us, and he knows how human life works best. And his direction is found in the poetry, the prophecy, the narratives, and the instructions that make the Bible the most unique book in the world. And so the Bible is on the authority, our authority on how life should be lived on planet Earth. So the number one reason why the Bible is so unique and compelling is because it's authoritative. The second thing that I want to mention to you, if you're following along in your outline, is that the Bible is transformative. That's what goes in the blank. What God says makes a difference in the life of the listener. It is a supernatural book that speaks to the matters of the heart, who we essentially are. And when it reaches our heart, it never leaves us the same people. The writer of Hebrews put it this way. He said, the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the division of the soul and the spirit of the joints and the marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. It is living. It is active. It makes a difference in the lives of those who take it in. Former UK Prime Minister Stanley Baldwin put it this way, the Bible is high explosive, but it works in strange ways, and no living man can tell or know how that book in its journey through the world, has startled the individual soul in 10,000 different places into a new life, a new belief, a new conception, a new faith. It is a living book. Now, there's lots of ways that you and I can read the Bible. We can read it for inspiration. I do. I'm sure many of you do as well. Sometimes we read it for information. We want to know what Jesus said and did. Sometimes we read the Bible for instructions. How do I be a better parent, a better spouse, a better worker, a better believer? But God's aim in revealing his will through the scripture is beyond those three things. God has revealed himself through his word in order that you might be transformed into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Somebody who looks like Jesus would look if he were you. And the more we become like Christ, the closer our relationship with God becomes. And the more we become like Jesus, the healthier all of our relationships become. 
Because the word of God is powerful, it's transformative. When we take God's word into our hearts and minds, things change. It changes the way we think about the world in which we live. It changes the way we act in this world. It changes the way we feel about things like injustice and poverty and the various other things that are part of our world today. Rick Warren writes, and I've included this on your outline, reading the Bible, listen to these words, it generates life, it creates faith, it produces change. Reading the Bible heals hurts, it builds character, it transforms circumstances. The Bible imparts joy, it overcomes adversity, it defeats temptation, it infuses hope, it releases power, and it cleanses our mind. I have had that transformative impact of the scriptures impacting my life on more than one occasion. But there was a moment not too long ago when I had a very important lesson one day on the number one as I was driving here to Broadway Church. And about the Gilardi turnoff, God brought to my mind in a moment a parable from Jesus' teaching that completely transformed the way I was thinking about a fractured relationship and how I was responding to it. In that moment, as Jesus' teaching kind of burst upon my consciousness, I realized that I needed to do some different things if this relationship was going to be healed. For that relationship, what God said through his word was a game changer for me. Things dramatically improved in the relationship once I decided to follow through on what God had called me to do. And of course, that is the testimony of believers across the ages and across the world. If we accept that the Bible is inspired by God, then its authority must flow from that. And if it's God's word, it must be our supreme authority for what we believe and how we act. For Jesus, it was his supreme authority. And it's an essential way that we encounter God today. So if the Bible is God speaking to us in true and life-changing ways, what should we be listening for? If we accept the Bible as God's word to us, what should we expect to hear from him? What does God actually have to say? I went to the doctor recently uh, about a chronic pain that I was feeling. And when I told him about my symptoms, he told me what he thought was wrong and what I could do about it. Now, my physician is an expert on the way my body works. I need his input in order to be healthy. Well, God is an expert on how human life works. He literally wrote the book, and it's the book that's right in front of you. When God speaks, he shows me why the things are the way they are in my life and what I can do about it. Paul, the apostle, writes to his protege, Timothy, to remind him to immerse himself in the scriptures. He says to Timothy, from childhood, Timothy, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which have been able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, all scripture is breathed out by God, and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Paul is saying in so many words, he's saying, hey, Timothy, God is speaking, and there are some things that he's talking about. Listen up. And according to Paul, the scriptures give us God's inside track on how to be saved through faith in Jesus Christ, if you're following on your outline. And today, before we're done, if you've never ever made that decision to follow Jesus, I'm gonna give you an opportunity before we're done this morning to give you a chance to do just that. Secondly, 
The Bible shows us what to believe, what is right, what is true, what is beautiful, and what not to believe, what is a lie, what is false. It tells us how to behave, how to conduct ourselves in the world, how to live in love towards God and towards other people, and it shows us how not to behave in selfishness and self-centeredness. When we follow God's direction, human life works the way it's supposed to, the way God designed it to work. And so the Bible is God's revelation of his good plans for all people. And the more we live according to his design, the more we will flourish in the way he intended. And as we read, reflect, and respond to what the Bible reveals, we become complete, whole, and mature. That's Paul's point. So how do we access this information. If the Bible is authoritative and transformative, and if God is telling us things we need to know in order to live well, how do we access what it is that he has to say? Just yesterday, uh, I was at um, uh, my mechanics, Kevin, and uh, I had an issue with my car, and Kevin and I have struck a gentleman's agreement, okay? Here's the deal. We are going to cooperate in trying to get 400,000 kilometers out of my 2008 Honda Civic, okay? That's our deal. Kevin has said, if I will do my part, if I hold up my side, if I do what he says, then there's every chance that my car and I will have a lasting relationship. However, if I ignore his directions, we're probably headed for a inconvenient breakdown and an ultimate breakup. While followers of Jesus feed on scriptures, the Bible nurtures the community of faith like food nurtures the human body. One writer likens reading the Bible to a dog chewing a bone. Anybody here have a dog at home? I have a border collie. And from time to time, I give her a bone or something to chew on, and ultimately it disappears. I never ever find it again. And of course, you know where it's gone. That dog gnaws and gnaws on that bone until it completely disappears. And this is what this writer says. He says, Christians don't simply learn or study or use scripture. We assimilate it. We take it into our lives so that it gets metabolized into acts of love, cups of cold water, missions into all the world, healing and evangelism and justice in the name of Jesus, hands raised in adoration of the Father, feet washed in the company of the sun. James writes to his congregation, giving them some direction on how to get the most out of their relationship with the speaking God. When he says this, he says, be doers of the word and not just hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and immediately forgets what he's like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So here's some practical advice that I want to leave with you for accessing the scriptures, for hearing God's verse through his word. The very first thing I'd like you to consider doing is to make a decision, a decision to listen if you're following on your outline. Be deliberate. Make a time and a place. If your best time is in the morning, pick a time in the morning. If your best time is at night, pick a time at night. Be deliberate. Get your soul quiet and listen to what God has to say to you. And then open the book and read with your ears open. 
Ask the Holy Spirit who inspired the scriptures to illuminate them so that you can see how they apply to your life. The very first thing you need to do is just find a place in your busy schedule where you're going to make some time for God, a quiet place where you can actually listen for his voice. It's absolutely essential to begin to recognize his voice as he speaks to you. And then secondly, find a modern translation of the Bible and simply open it up and start reading it. Now you might say, well, how do I do that? Where do I even get started? Well, if you're new to Bible reading, I would suggest that you begin in the last third of the Bible with the Gospel of Mark or John, where you can actually see Jesus' life and teaching being unfolded. Pay attention to what Jesus believed, how he lived, how he loved and what he taught. And if you do not have a copy of the Bible of your own, please be our guest. Take the one that's in front of you in the pew. Take that home as our gift to you. But just start reading, dig in. And then after you begin to read, start to reflect on what you read. Kind of take some time to think about what you are seeing. In private, ask yourselves these questions. What is God saying to the people at the time the Bible was written? And what is God trying to say to me today? And what does God want me to do next? Those are the kinds of questions that will make you into a Bible student. We have created a tool here at Broadway Church that we call the Step Journal. And if the Bible can be compared to a transistor radio for the soul, then the Step Journal is an antenna. As we try and find God's frequency through the scriptures, the Step Journal enhances the signal. And so what is the Step Journal? Well, really, it's a record of your time with God, your conversation with God. Um, the S in Step stands for scripture. In this journal, we have provided lots of different ways for you to actually be systematic in reading through the scriptures. Um, you can follow through and read through the entire Bible in one year or two years or four, however quickly you want to move through or if you want to just slow down and get the most out of it. Um, but read at a pace where you can stop and actually reflect on what you're reading. It's more important to get the Bible than it is to get through the Bible. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's more important to get it than to get it through it. So read at a pace where you're actually able to think about and see how that affects you on any particular day. Then the T in step stands for teaching. Once you've thought about it, write down in your journal what you think the passage is saying. This is your way of kind of saving or preserving the fruit of what God is saying to you. What's the point of the text that you are reading? And then think about how this applies to your life. The E stands for experience. This is your chance to think through and write down why that passage is important. What insight is it giving you? What changes is it suggesting that you make? And then finally, P is kind of the linchpin, prayer. Last but not least, ask God to help you follow through on what you have learned from your reading. So in private, find a tool like the Steps Journal. You can pick one up at our um, AGC or at Timber Bookstore. We have several there and they're there for your use. In public, take notes as you listen to sermons. Share what you've discovered with others. Talk about it with your friends in small groups or in a learning community. Get other perspectives, talk about it. Once you've reflected and gained some understanding in what God is saying to you through your Bible reading, there is just one more step and that is respond to it. Obey what God tells you as soon as it becomes clear to you. Don't procrastinate. Step out in faith and follow through. Dietrich Bonhoeffer observed that only those who believe what God has said actually obey him, and only those who actually obey him really believe what it is that God has said. 
So once you've made a decision to read the Bible and actually have opened the book and learned from it, then one more step, number three, if you're following along in your outline, make it a habit. I like what Leonard Sweet does when he uses radio imagery to give us kind of a model or an approach to making a habit out of reading the Bible. He said, whenever you sit down to read the scriptures, kind of follow this pattern. He says, first of all, turn off the frequencies of the world with all the static and noise that it creates. Just get quiet so that you're in a posture of listening. And then he says, turn on to the frequencies where God's spirit operates. Pay attention. A few years ago, I was uh, in my office working on a sermon. I was busy writing away. A colleague of mine, Bob, came in and he said, uh, Mick, uh, can I chat with you for a moment? And without even looking up, I wasn't even thinking. I just kept going on. I said, yeah, Bob, shoot. So Bob is standing there and I am writing and like three or four minutes go by, like an uncomfortable amount of time goes by. And finally it kind of dawns on me, wasn't Bob just here? (laughs) And so I look up and there in front of my desk is Bob. And as soon as he catches my eye, he says, okay, now that I have your attention, here's what I want to say to you. When you turn on to the frequency of God's spirit, it's looking up from the business of your life and actually paying attention to what God wants to say. And then he says, once you have begun to discern God speaking, you tune into those frequencies. Like, listen to those things where God is speaking to you. Find those places where you hear from him most readily. And then he says, fine-tune your spirit to correspond with Christ. Align your will with his in obedience. And then finally, he says, stay tuned. Stay tuned to God's voice. Build a daily habit of listening in your life. I kind of like that system because I'm a radio fan. Turn off. Turn on. Tune in, fine-tune, and stay tuned. And that brings me to my big idea this morning. We like to summarize the teaching of every sermon in one pithy statement, and here's today's big idea. When you turn to God's word, you tune in to God's voice, okay? When you tune in, I mean, when you turn to God's word, you tune in to God's voice. God has spoken, friends. He's come down to our level, and he's spoken to us in words that we can read and comprehend, He knows our world. He knows our hearts. He knows our circumstances. He longs to meet with us with words of love and words of counsel and words of life. And when we open the pages of Bible with humility and attentiveness, we will hear him speaking as the gracious God that he is. It's like turning on the radio of our souls and finding that frequency where we can hear him most clearly. So who or what right now, if you were honest, who or what is the loudest voice in your life right now? Is it God's voice or is it someone or something else? When you turn to God's word, you tune in to God's voice. The adventure of a a living and a vital faith is sourced in knowing God personally. And like every relationship, the more face time we spend with him, the better we come to know him. And the more attentive we are to listen the easier it becomes to recognize his voice. The more of his word you take in and obey, the more of his voice you hear. And when you hear God's voice as he speaks to you through his word in the quiet place, you will begin to recognize that voice even when it comes to you in the commotion of a hectic schedule and a busy lifestyle. You will just recognize that voice whenever it comes. When you turn to God's word, you turn in, tune in to God's voice. Now, maybe God is speaking to you right now, inviting you into this larger life of knowing and talking to him. What many people have discovered is that the Bible makes a whole lot more sense when you have a relationship with its author. 